Hey everyone, Danielle Bean here. I'm just popping in for a minute before the show to let you know about a fun new way that you can stay connected with girlfriends. If you text the word girlfriends to 33777, you will be subscribed to receive every new episode of Girlfriends along with the show notes delivered straight to your inbox every week. This is such a great way to make sure that you don't miss a single episode and you always have ready access to the awesome people that we talk to and the resources that we share about here on the show. And just to make it even more fun and more worth your while, Ascension is going to be giving away three very cool prizes. Everyone who subscribes to Girlfriends right now will be automatically entered into a random drawing. The three different prizes are, first, The Great Adventure Bible. You know you want a copy of that. Second, my book, You Are Enough, a copy of that. And third, Pocket Guide to the Rosary. Three awesome prizes that are going to be given away at random to people who are subscribed. It doesn't cost you a thing. So don't miss out on this special opportunity. Stop right now and do it. Text GIRLFRIENDS to 33777. Thanks. I'm looking forward to staying connected with you. Girlfriends, episode number 199, The Gift of Great Art with Melissa Gerard. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, I'm talking with editor Melissa Gerard about a beautiful book that you're going to want to know about to learn more about sacred art. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to the newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Thrilled that you are joining me, whether this is your first time listening to Girlfriends or your hundredth time listening to Girlfriends or your 199th time listening to Girlfriends. Did you catch that? We're at 199. That is so crazy to me. That's unbelievable. And it's only because of you. It's only because of you that I've been doing Girlfriends for this long. So whether you're a longtime listener or a first-time listener, I want to welcome you to the show. I'm thrilled and glad that you are here connecting with me through Girlfriends. Today's topic is really an interesting one to me where we're going to be talking about great works of art and how they can be more accessible to us in our everyday lives. But first, you know, sometimes I do a health and fitness check-in to see how you're doing at the start of the show. But today I wanted to do a prayer time check-in. Are you making time for daily prayer? Here I am to be a nudge. Here I am to encourage you to take stock of your life, to see what your priorities are, what you think is a reasonable amount of time for you to spend in prayer each day, and are you doing it? I'm doing this because I need the check-in as much as anybody. I find that I do try to um, set aside time first thing in the morning for prayer. I recently kind of had um, a wake-up call when I realized that I was getting up in the morning to exercise. And that's a great thing, right? That's a very positive thing and a good goal to have. Um, And I've shared that with you all here on the podcast before that, you know, if you really want to make exercise part of your daily, daily habit, then get up in the morning and do it first thing before you have other excuses, right? But I realized I had that goal and I was sacrificing and making sure I was doing that first thing to make sure I was getting it done. 
But then I realized I'm not making a similar kind of sacrifice for the priority of prayer time in my day. And prayer time was winding up being something that got shuffled around, shifted from place to place, wasn't always given the attention and the time that I wanted to be able to give it, all because I wasn't making it that same priority. And what actually is more important? Oh, yes, exercise is great. I'm not dissing exercise. And if you are getting up first thing in the morning and exercising first thing, I'm not telling you not to do that. But for me, it was kind of a wake-up call to say, why am I prioritizing this over my prayer time each day? So I've in recent weeks been making an effort to pray first thing in the morning, whether I'm spending 10 minutes or 20 minutes or if I have you know even longer, you know, days are different, but making sure that I get that prayer time in first thing. Um, has been really a game changer for me. It's really been wonderful. And I know I've had other times in my life where I was doing that more regularly, um, but I've kind of, I kind of had drifted away from it in inside of my regular routine. So I wanted to share that with you along with the encouragement to assess where you're at with your daily prayer life. And um, do you have time set aside each day for prayer? And how are you making that happen? If you're not making that happen, what other kinds of priorities are taking the place of that for you? Anyway, I'm not going, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to help you. So I'm asking these questions to encourage you to make that assessment for yourself and see where God might be calling you to draw closer to him through more regular daily prayer time. All right, that's it for the nudging. (laughs) But I want to um, move into this week's topic, which is talking about sacred art. And I have the editor of a beautiful book joining me here today at Girlfriends. So let's get started with my conversation with Melissa. Joining me today on Girlfriends is Melissa Gerard. Melissa Gerard is an editor for Emmaus Road Publishing. She has edited books by Scott Hahn, Emily Stimson Chapman, and the recent bestseller Why Celibacy by Father Carter Griffin. Melissa is also the editor of the award-winning Old and New Children's Book Series by Maura Rowan McKeegan. Looking at a masterpiece by Madeline Stebbins is the book that we're going to be talking about today that Melissa is also editor of, is a collection of reflections that explores the themes of more than 40 of the world's finest artistic treasures from masters such as Piero della Francesca, Caravaggio, Rembrandt, and more. The book includes full-color, high-quality reproductions of these great works of art. Stebbins writes about the universal truths these classic works illuminate, infusing her commentary with the wisdom of saints, popes, theologians, historians, and poets. It is a unique and beautiful book, and the editor is here to talk with us about it today, Melissa Gerard. Welcome to Girlfriends. Melissa, glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Danielle. Well, gosh, I don't even know where to get started with this book because this is a unique book. And without Mm -hmm. people having it in their hands, I don't even know. I'd love to hear how you as the editor would kind of in a nutshell describe what this book project is. Well, for someone who is not holding the book in your hands, I'll tell you that it's a very large, beautiful um, coffee table book that you will probably keep, want to keep, you know, in your car for visits to the Adoration Chapel or, you know, by your bedside for spiritual reading, because even though it looks like a typical coffee table art book, you know, it's 12 by 12 inches and um, has a gorgeous cover. And um, like you said, is just full of this magnificent artwork. What is um, just as beautiful and meaningful as the artwork is, uh, are the reflections by Madeline Stebbins. Right. Um, and, and as you said, it is unique because we have, we have such an amazing treasury of 
of art within the church. And we have a lot of people who are really um, qualified to speak about its artistic merits and, uh, you know, the historical context or about the artists themselves. Um, think of people like Elizabeth Lev or David Clayton, you know, who really, really have, are, are doing meaningful work to educate Catholics about this um, this awesome gift that we have, which is sacred art. Mm -hmm. um, but what Marilyn Stebbins does in this book is, is very different. Um, she is not an artist herself. You know, she is like many of us just um, uh, has a great love for art and a deep appreciation for it. So um, when she's writing about these masterpieces, she is coming at it from a more contemplative place, almost like you would, uh, you know, sit with sit with um, a, a biblical text and do Lexio Divina. Mm -hmm. That's almost what she's done with these pieces. Um, so they're they're rich meditations that are very simple and easy to enter into. You know, you don't have to have a, a degree in art or anything like that to to be able to appreciate this book. Right. And that's what I love about it is that it makes it accessible. And and I like that you mentioned you don't have to have a degree in art. You don't have to know all the stuff before no. you can pick this up and appreciate it. And truly, I think that it's it's a really kind of a beginner's practice, a great way to start for, for yourself, yeah. for your family, for your kids, but a great way to start just using sacred art as part of your spiritual life, as part of your prayer life. Is that part of what the purpose of the book was in the first place? You know, I, I don't think it, it was, to be honest. I think um, Madeline is such a humble person and she, you know, it, I think she really is just sharing this out of love, you know, with no, with no other ambition or hope than that people would take it and, and also fall in love with mm -hmm. the art and, and let it become meaningful to them and let it teach them something about the faith or about God or about their own experience of, of the faith. Um, so I don't think that it was, you know, let me just sit and reflect on these um, pieces. In, in fact, um, the, the foreword of the book is really interesting. I've had conversations with Madeline about this and she grew up not too far outside of New York city. And as a child had a family friend, um, who, who was a, um, I believe he was a Jewish refugee from the Holocaust and he was, he was mute and he would take her with him to the Metropolitan Art Museum and they would sit in front of these brilliant pieces of art mm -hmm. and, just having think about what that would be like to have right. a guide who isn't trying to jam information down your throat, isn't trying to impress you with their knowledge. You know, they're just sharing from an emotional, really deep spiritual place. You know, isn't this great? It goes beyond words. We don't even need to speak about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that left just such an indelible mark on her and, and transformed the way that she not only saw art, but sees the world. Mm -hmm. um, and then when she was um, in college and after college, she was a personal assistant to um, the great Catholic philosopher, Diedrich von Hildebrand. Mm -hmm. And so for many summers, she would travel with him when he would um, do tours of Europe with his students. And so she also learned about many of these masterpieces directly in front of them, you know, in the places where they're, where they're housed, um, at the feet of Dietrich von Hildebrand, who also just was, um, effusive in his love for, for art and, and not just sacred art, also really great secular art. And, and, um, you know, he, he recognized what was universal and what was good and true and beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. And that also was very formative, I think, for Madeline. So that's really what comes through in the book. It's just this deep love for beauty and wonder. Um, you know, there are many, many depictions of the saints in the book. Mm-hmm. And I think that those reflections are just particularly interesting because they're, we can relate to them. You know, we we really can relate to their, their humanity that comes through in this, you know, how they're embodied. Mm-hmm. Um in these pieces of art. So, yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. And I love that it's not like, because sometimes we can fall into that trap of thinking that, you know, the great, great art is for, you know, an elite group of people that can Mm -hmm. appreciate it, but it's for every one of us, you know, the same way all the other parts of beauty inside of our Catholic faith are for every one of us. Why do you think, Melissa, why do you think it's important for Catholics to sit and reflect on art? Well, there are a lot of reasons why. Um, one of them, I think, is that, you know, we're both body and soul. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the word became flesh. Jesus became incarnate and entered into our world. And what he left us with, uh, his sacraments, they are not just spiritual communications. I mean, they are, but but what do we, what, what you know, is the matter of, of the sacraments? water, oil, bread, wine, the words of the priest, you know, these things that come to us through our senses. Mm -hmm. And because we are so, we are bodily creatures, you know, we need, we need these reminders in our our lives, whether they be sacramentals, whether they be little prayer cards or relics, whatever it is. Um, We need these very real physical things to remind us of God's presence in, in our lives. And art is, um, you know, is, is so attractive mm-hmm. to us, you know, having, like I said, images that we can relate to, that we can see, that we can look at, you know, a friend of mine just the other day sent me a, a, a funny um, medieval uh, portrayal of the Blessed Mother mm-hmm. um, nursing baby Jesus. And and she has this like extremely worn out uh, <laughs> look on her face. You know, my friend was like, 100% can relate to this, you know, and it's, it's just things like that that you recognize like, yeah, like our lady, she was a mother. She was chasing Jesus around all yeah. of the time. And she got you know, tired. So when you, when you have those images like that, of, uh, you know, especially in churches, I think, you know, when you're walking around with your toddler, I have a two-year-old. So we spend a lot of time, you know, walking the perimeter of the right. church and, and having statues, having sacred art, having the stations of the cross, you know, they, they are, they're so meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly for mothers, because, you know, so many of us have such little time for reading. Right. And so if we can spend a few minutes contemplating, you know, an icon or a beautiful, a, a beautiful piece of art that we have come across, you know, that can really touch our hearts and just refresh us because we don't have as much time to sit down and, and do, you know, an hour of spiritual reading every day. Exactly. I think that's so right. And and I love that it, in a way it, it kind of reflects to me kind of time spent in adoration, perhaps, where you just have mm-hmm. to show up, right? You just have to, you just have to be there. And and I think, that, you know, spiritually speaking, that I think that re- appeals to a lot of us women, especially those of us who are tired moms, perhaps, that you don't have to show up and give a great speech. You don't have to show up and have some great commentary on this work of art. You can just yes. take it in. You can just be present. Yes. You know. I'll say for myself, I, I had one experience that was just 
incredible, just in, incredible, but in a very quiet and simple way. Um, I had the opportunity several years ago to make a pilgrimage to Rome mm-hmm. and um, I, visiting the Church of San Luigi. I think I must have missed the itinerary for that day and I didn't know what exactly I was going to be encountering. And so I was walking through the church and I just uh, turned a corner and you see really large, I would say, I, I, I don't really know the dimensions, maybe eight foot by 10 feet or something like that. But uh-huh. um, Caravaggio's great work, The Calling of St. Matthew. Uh-huh. And I, it just took my breath away. I was wow. astounded. It was so much better in real life. You know, I've, right. I have postcards of it. You know, I've seen it. Uh, you've seen it on book covers. You've seen that image anywhere. But to see it in real life, and to know that this actually exists, you know, someone made this with their own hands. It's, it's sort of astounding. Right. And to me, that was just such a reminder, um, you know, that, that the incarnation is real, that Jesus really did walk this earth, that you know, he really was present among us. And we can be really detached from that fact, this reality of, of, of Jesus entering into history and being part of our lives. But like I said before, you know, when we have these tangible reminders of his presence, it's, it's that much easier for us to draw near to him. I love that. That's such a great point. And I think that's something that you're so right, that we can readily fall into that trap of th- like, I, I think we sometimes make Jesus kind of this otherworldly creature or mm-hmm. a storybook character or something yeah. that doesn't have relevance, isn't 3D, right? Isn't yeah. in our isn't in our real lives. And yet he very much was a very physical being that walked this earth. And that's an mm-hmm. astonishing thing to comp- contemplate. So does the book only include sacred art? No, it doesn't. It's it is mostly sacred art. I will say that. But mm-hmm. um but Madeline has chosen, you know, what she thinks of as these really great universal treasures of, um, Western culture, you know? Um, so, um, there, there are a handful, I would say about half a dozen or so that are not, uh, you know, strictly speaking sacred art, but in particular, um, I think of the little street by Vermeer, mm-hmm. um, which she writes about, uh, you know, these, the, the women that are depicted in that picture, if you've ever seen it before, it's just like, from the perspective of someone walking down the street and, and looking across the street and seeing women, you know, doing their house chores and children playing a simple game on this, on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And, and she writes about how, you know, there's just such a dignity and simplicity in, in housework and how, um, you know, many people don't think it's glamorous, but there is a real beauty and a nobility to that. And, um, you know, that, 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 that painting is 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 almost very plain it's almost very drab but i can't look at that picture without just feeling this happiness you know this sense <laughs> of of just you know peace and um you know like it's it's aspirational for me <laughs> you know right. it, just it's a beautiful beautiful simple um depiction of everyday life and she's also chosen some portraits too that she compares she compares um Holbein's portraits of Thomas More, Thomas Cromwell, and um, King Henry VIII. And it's really interesting to hear her talk about it's 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 almost like a character study of you look at this late portrait of of, of Henry VIII, where he's he's almost almost monster like. And by contrast, I think, I think many people are familiar with this portrait of of St. Thomas More. Yes. Um, you know, and he's just so grand and so manly. And uh, again, it goes beyond words. You just look at that image of him and you think, 
wow, that's an image of courage and it's inspiring to me, you know? Right. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And kind of finding the sacred in the ordinary with regard to housework, but then even just mm-hmm. the the beauty of the human person, especially, you know, one like St. Thomas More, who is living out his life to the, the full extent of the greatness that God has planned for him. I think that that's a beautiful way that even non-religious art, right? Non-sacred, not sacred art can right. inspire us toward beauty and truth. It's really beautiful. And, and, so- and, and, and conversely, um, you know, the, the, the sacred art can still speak to people who are outside of the faith and really draw them in. I remember hearing an interview a, a few years back with, I think his name is Kenneth Lonergan, the, the film director who made Manchester by the Sea. He's okay. made several other films. And I remember him saying, I am a staunch atheist, 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 atheist. But when I was growing up every year, my family went to go listen to Handel's Messiah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the greatest you know, masterpiece and the most beautiful piece of music or really the most beautiful piece of art that's ever been made. Wow. And so the fact that you have somebody, <laughs> you know, I don't believe in God, but you know, these biblical texts that have been such a music are the most enduring and comforting and enriching, uh, you know, a body of work that's ever been created. I mean, wow. that's, yeah. And so, you know, when people ask, well, what should I get my family? You know, like I have this family member who's outside of the church. I always recommend this book. Yeah. I really do. Because even if someone doesn't read the reflections at all and they just flip through and they, they look at the images, I think that it can really still speak to people's souls. Right. You know, because I mean, let's be real. We all have these longings for God. I don't think, I think we're not being honest, you know, if we try to deny that. And, and so these images can really feed that. And, and, and they're almost like breadcrumbs, you know, on the path to our Lord. I love that image. That is so great. And, and a great suggestion too, um, especially because I was thinking this book is such a fabulous gift to give to somebody. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I was thinking of some families, sometimes, you know, we give a gift to like a family as a whole. Well, what a great Mm -hmm. idea this book would be to give as a family gift, especially upcoming Christmas time, something to think about. But so if someone's thinking about getting this book for themselves, um, what are some ways that they could possibly use this? Or maybe you want to talk a little bit about the extended series here um, to instill a, a, a love of art and beauty in even very small children? Well, the first thing I would say, what I do is if I know that there's a feast day coming up, you know, let's say the Transfiguration or, uh, you know, Easter, Christmas, you know, I, I, I think about the liturgical calendar and I, I mean, I've worked, I worked on the book, so of course I know what, what's included, <laughs> but you can sort of, you know, skim the table of contents and say, oh, actually the Feast of St. Francis is coming up. I'm going to look at that image that's of, of Francis in the desert and use that as a meditation. Um, I think that that's a really great way for families to enter into the feast day, especially, if, you know, if you don't always have time to make it to daily mass, um, it still is a good way to stay connected mm-hmm. um, by presenting maybe at breakfast time. You know, it's such a large book that you can hold the book up for your children and sh- show them and everyone can see it. And, you know, after after we published this book, there was a real sense that something was incomplete about it, you know, like that we weren't quite ready to walk away from the project yet. And um, I was still really eager to work with Madeline and had this idea, what if we made 
a, a version of the book that's for children, where we went through, we selected the images that we thought would be most compelling for young children, but then also added in some some new images too. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we made a smaller format version of the book. And so the adult, I will call it the adult version, which is looking at a masterpiece. Right. The children's version is called Let's Look at a Masterpiece. And so it's a little bit smaller and, um, and, and definitely shorter. And the reflections are maybe a paragraph or a few sentences. And we usually include either a, a Bible verse or a quote from a saint. Um, and so it's very, very simple and straightforward. So a child can sit with this and, um, you know, just look at the images that they want. And, mm-hmm. and, um, kids are so fascinating. I mean, I'm sure you've had this experience with your own kids where right. you sit down with them and they, they point out things that you never would have thought of. Right. Just, they are, are really remarkable. And so that's a good, that's a good argument for presenting this book to young children, you know, even children who can't yet read on their own, um, because they, they, they are so deep, you know, we don't give them enough credit. I don't think, um, it, it, it really is a way for them to, you know, start to have impressed upon their minds different attributes of God or characteristics of the saints, or just to have a, like a visual vocabulary mm-hmm. of Christianity and the story of Jesus and the story of, of his death and resurrection and, um, you know, and the blessed mother. And so let's look at a masterpiece we really had young children in mind. Uh, Madeline wrote in a way that she would write to her own grandchildren, um, in a way that would speak to them. Right. That's and, beautiful. And, and, yeah. and I think a very, you know, accessible book for even very small children. Um, but for older kids, do you think this is something they could even use on their own? I'm thinking of listeners who might be homeschoolers or who might be oh, wanting to absolutely. supplement their child's education in some way. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And, and here's what I'll say about this for not just for homeschoolers, you know, for anyone who wants to, wants to cultivate, you know, um, a love of beauty in their Mm -hmm. children that yes, this would be a great book to give to your, to your children. Um, I have a niece who's seven, who I think she's so ready for this book. She would take this book and she would look at the images and she would read the reflections. And then she would probably want to do research about the artists or, you know, learn more. And that's the thing is it really is a starting place for a deeper study and whether that study is into art or whether it's into the faith, those are both really good things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is so great. And, you know, having been a homeschooler myself, I, I, my mind went there because I've, art is something I've struggled with incorporating into the curriculum that we've had over the years. Like, how do you do that in a structured way? And, and I think maybe it doesn't have to be a super structured way, but having access to things like this. Yes. And, and not even having access to things like this, because, you know, one thing that's such a, uh, I think you brought it up earlier. It's kind of a stigma with art. It seems like you need to be in the know in order to appreciate it, which is really counter to what the true purpose of art is, you know, it really is for everyone to enjoy. And when it is no longer for everyone to enjoy, when it's only for a specific group of, you know, elite, then it's really not, uh, it's not enduring. It's not, it's, 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 you know, it's almost like for the artist himself and not for others. Right. Um, And I would say if you're intimidated even by this, but still looking for ways to either spark an interest in art in your children or for yourself, um, 
I think that the best place to start is really the parish church. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, you know, all, all, all churches are not equal. And so, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you, uh, right now, you know, we, uh, we live very close to a parish that's like a converted gymnasium. Okay. And so it, it's kind of lacking some of the the elements that you find in a little bit. Yeah. Yes. But most communities uh, have an old church that you can go to and you can look at the beautiful stained glass windows. You can look at the, the statues. You can just look at the altar, how the altar has been built. And um, that's a really good place to start with children, you know, to just go to mass 20 minutes early or stay 20 minutes late, which is probably not. <laughs> not with <laughs> young kids. Everyone's ready for donuts, <laughs> you know. But, you know, if you can go a little bit early and just don't be heavy handed about it at all, but just ask your children, you know, what do you think about that stained glass window? Who's mm-hmm. in it? You know, right now with my two year old, it's really just, um, you know, what colors do you see? Right. And and you're you're drawing their you're drawing their eyes upward, but you're also drawing their hearts and their minds upward, you know, and that's the thing that, that's the thing that I really love the most about this book, you know, kind of reclaiming this, this tradition of ours. It's that, you know, these images, they don't draw us into themselves. Uh, You know, you do look at them and you think, oh my goodness. I mean, a Frangelico, right. (laughs) Rodicini. These people are amazing. Like they were so gifted. They were so talented, but really, what you, you walk away thinking about the greatness of God. Right. And that's really what you want to give your children. That's, that's really the most important thing. Beautiful, beautiful gift, a beautiful resource. So the book again is titled Looking at a Masterpiece by Madeline Stebbins. The children's version is called Let's Look at a Masterpiece, also by Madeline Stebbins. My guest today has been Melissa Gerard, editor of these gorgeous and inspiring books. Thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on Girlfriends and sharing about this beautiful book. Thank you for having me, Danielle. Coming up, we have some listener feedback to share, but first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it and make sense of it? A Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion? Now, for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. A Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure Studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson, to create the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, 2nd Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study, or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy at ascensionpress.com. 
Welcome back. I wanted to mention um, some of that conversation that I had with Melissa Gerard made me think of the book, The Sacred That Surrounds Us by Andrea Zachman that we've had here as a guest on Girlfriends before. The book is published by Ascension. You can find it at ascensionpress.com, but it really looks at all the beautiful things inside of a church. And, you know, part of what Melissa was sharing was that this is a beautiful way to appreciate beauty inside of our faith and especially teach our children to appreciate beauty is going inside of a beautiful church and allowing them to experience art in that way as as beginners. Um, anyway, I wanted to mention that and let you know I'll have a link to that in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. But now we're at the time in the show where I usually share a little bit of listener feedback. You know I love hearing from you. So if you want to send me feedback, you can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can send me a voicemail at that address. You can connect with me on social media. I am daniellebean.com on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I would love to connect with you in those places. Elizabeth did send me a message on Facebook, and this is what Elizabeth wrote. She said, help. I am already dreading Christmas. We have five little kids, ages seven and younger, and the stress of this season just does me in. My husband and I both have large extended families, and there is just so much pressure to do all the things, and I wind up exhausted and cranky. I would love for this year to be different, but when I begin to think about it, I can already feel my blood pressure rising. Any advice you can offer would be greatly appreciated. P.S. I really do love your podcast. You don't know it, but we are best friends. You have gotten me through many crazy moments in life already, and I'm so grateful for your influence in my life. Thank you, Elizabeth. I appreciate that, especially the best friends comment, because I totally believe it. (laughs) I have podcasts that I listen to like that, and I'm like, surely they know and love me because I know and love them. And um, I'm so thrilled to hear that the podcast can be a positive influence in your life in that way. I'm so glad you reached out with your question because... I think a lot of us can relate to this. So first and foremost, I'm going to promise I'm making plans for future episodes of Girlfriends right now these days, and I'm putting this on the list. Um, This kind of approach to Advent, maybe an approach to Advent um, for, for young moms, for moms who feel overwhelmed, for, you know, busy moms, for working moms, whatever it is that's making you feel overwhelmed in your life. And for you, Elizabeth, it's your very young large family that's making you feel overwhelmed. Understandably so. Um, So for sure, I'm going to devote a podcast entirely to that topic in the very near future so that it can serve you this Advent. But for now, what really struck me as I read your description of Christmas time for you, Elizabeth, was you might be at a stage in life where you can appropriately cut out some of the extended family stuff. I know it pains me to even say that because tradition and expectations and all of that. I get it. But um, you're right about where we were when Dan and I made the decision years ago to not go anywhere on Christmas Day, for example. I mean, but there are multiple ways in which this can apply because it was just too crazy. And our growing family had enough demands of its own, and we were our own party on Christmas Day, and it just made sense. Also, many of my siblings were in a similar stage of life, so they were also kind of making that decision um, to celebrate Christmas on their own rather than everybody gathered together for this wild and crazy epic celebration at my parents' house, which (laughs) I'm sure it gave my mother her own high blood pressure. (laughs) You mentioning that made me think of that, Elizabeth. Um, So maybe even your bowing out of some of these things will be a relief 
to some of the people who are hosting them. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I want to encourage you until I do that podcast in the future, <laughs> Elizabeth, to assess where you are. And, and for sure, talk to your husband about this, but also bring it to prayer that this might be a season where you accept the where you are in life, what stage your family's at, and your own need for mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, right? You need these things. You need this kind of balance in your life. So I want to encourage you to assess together with your husband and um, also, you know, prayerfully bringing God into the conversation about how you're going to be observing Advent and celebrating the Christmas season. And it might just be your young family is at a stage where it's going to look different this year. Not in a way that boohoo makes everybody sad, but in a way that we were a different family now, and this is a, a new way that we're going to do this this year. You know, it's it's perfectly legitimate thing to do or to consider doing. So I'm going to encourage you to think about that um, while you're waiting for that show, which I can't promise you which show it's going to be. I'm working a little bit ahead right now. Um, but for sure, that is on the list of shows for this Advent season. So I hope that's helpful to you. And thank you for reaching out. That's all we have time for today. But if you enjoy the Girlfriends podcast, you know what to do. Rate us and review us on iTunes. So helpful in getting the word out. Or just share the good news with a friend, with a neighbor, with a girlfriend, with your mom, with your sister, with that woman in the school line. Share what you appreciate about Girlfriends and help us to get the word out and grow our community here at Girlfriends. I'm so grateful to those of you who do that. You are truly a vital part of the way that we are growing the podcast. So thank you for that. But even if you aren't sharing the podcast and even if you aren't sending me feedback, I am so grateful that you have been a part of today's podcast. I am so grateful that you put in those earbuds, brought me along for that drive in the car or while you're doing chores around the house or wherever you have me. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. I am so grateful for that opportunity and so encouraged by your presence here. That truly is a gift to me. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for all the ways you encourage and support me here at Girlfriends. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 